Welcome to the next episode of the God Conversations podcast with Tanya Harris, a series that will equip you to recognize God's voice. More resources can be found at godconversations.com. Welcome again to the God Conversations podcast. Today I have a very special guest who I'll be talking to, and she is the National Director of Alpha Australia. But more than that, she's an amazing woman who's been in ministry for a number of years, but she was also the woman who was, I hold responsible directly for getting me into the ministry that I'm doing now. She was very transformative in my early years of ministry training, a mentor and a friend and an incredibly amazing leader. So today I'd like to introduce you to Melinda Dwight. Welcome, Melinda. Great to have you. That sounds amazing. So I take all the blame for everything you do and you have all the credit. (laughs) Yeah, all the stories. (laughs) All the stories go back to Melinda. But Melinda was actually a pioneer in lots of ways. She was one of the first women to be on the state executive of the Australian AOG churches way back a number of years ago and, and has been doing her ministry now with Alpha for a couple of years. Is that right? Yeah, just over two and a half years. So she's a bit of a world changer and a pioneer in a lot of respects. But we're talking with her today particularly about the God life that she lives. I guess Melinda was the first person who I saw close up as a person who heard God's voice and then acted on it. And I saw many of the miracles and the stories that came out of it. So very much an inspirational lady. And as I said, very privileged to have her talking with us today in this beautiful Sydney hotel. So welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to see you again. So Melinda, maybe you could share a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the God conversations that you've experienced or something that stands out in your in your ministry life. How do you hear God's voice? Oh, I hear God's voice in so many different ways. I think it was Mother Teresa. Someone asked her, when does God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. And I think that's my experience, that God is always wanting to connect with us. We just have to be in a place to listen. And I remember the first time I ever realised that God had a plan for my life. I was in the back seat of a car. I was about 13 years old. My parents were driving. And I just saw a vision of myself speaking in Africa. And it was the most bizarre thing. At 13? At 13. And I said to my parents, I'm going to be a missionary in Africa. And they kind of said, well, you need to finish school first, (laughs) which I thought was very narrow of them. You know how parents are, you know. And so I sort sort of thought that. But I put it on the shelf for a while. I went to university. You know, I realized that I wanted to earn some money, did commerce and law, was sitting in in Parliament House, had just done this particular presentation to a judicial committee, and I felt the Holy Spirit ask me a question, which often is what happens to me. God doesn't seem to tell me stuff. He seems to ask me questions and take me on a journey of exploring. So he said, are you happy with the way you're living? And I'm like, yeah, I really like this. I like the company car. I like all this, you know, fast promotion. As like the Holy Spirit said, this isn't my best plan. So I went on a journey then. I resigned my job. I tried to work out what I was going to do. A pastor came and asked me would I lead the youth group. And I said, oh, women don't do that. He said, well, would you just lead the youth group till we get a bloke? And I said, oh, okay, I guess I can do that. And that really started me down the ministry life, realising that God could make a way even if I didn't think there was a way, even if I wasn't sure how it would all work, that he makes a way and and fortunately doesn't show us how that's going to look. Sometimes gives us a glimpse of the future but doesn't show the pathway that's going to get us there. That's the journey of faith and probably fear too. A little bit of the whole Joseph story. Here's the vision I have for your life that you'll be in leadership Mm. or for you Mm. you'll be speaking in Africa Mm. and then there's a whole lot of curves and bends to get to that place. So tell me how did that vision come to pass? Did it 
come to pass in your life, the one that you had as a 13-year-old? Um, yeah, look, it came to pass in various ways. There was a, a gentleman that I tried to get preach in our church quite a few times and he'd said no and then he needed something. So we had a cup of coffee and I was able to encourage him and just pray with him and share some stuff. And out of that, he asked me to be on a missions council. And so I was on this missions council and he said to me, you know, as part of the group, would you like to look after the missionaries in Africa, in West Africa? And I said, okay, sure. And, you know, I hadn't thought about Africa wow. for decades. Wasn't, you know, Africa was the, West Africa was the left bit of Africa. So I didn't really know much about it. So I just started praying about it. And while I was doing that, I felt the Holy Spirit's say I'm going to bless the nation of Nigeria. So I really started praying for that nation. Still looking after the other missionaries, but praying for that nation. So when you say you you felt God speak to you about, Mm -hmm. I want you to pray for Nigeria, how did that happen? Um, I've never heard the audible voice of God. Mm -hmm. So it was just as I was praying and looking at the map and trying to work out all these countries where it's like the Holy Spirit, that uh, impression that said pray particularly for Nigeria. I'm going to make that country economically strong so that it can be a missionary sending nation. So for you it was an impression? Very much Uh, an impression. Maybe a a burden or did it? Um, I think it was an impression. I think as you start to pray, God changes your heart and it becomes a burden. It's like with anything. You know, when you first do it, particularly with unforgiveness or something like that, you don't want to forgive the person. But when you start praying for them, you can't help but get God's heart for something. And so I started praying for that nation and then I felt the Holy Spirit say, you should go get involved with prisoners there. And I thought, well, that's either God or the devil trying to destroy me. Because <laughs> it's pretty um, random, isn't it? Very random. Oh, I have a heart for prisoners <laughs> in Nigeria. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I had no interest in that. But I'd remembered years before that I'd been to a convention and I'd seen on one of those stands that you walk past something about prisoners. And, you know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit brings things back to your remembrance. Yes. And so I, I remembered that. It was three or four years before. And mm-hmm. I thought, okay, where was that? Who was that? Eventually tracked down the person. They were in another state. I went and visited them. He said, oh, yes, I did visit prisons randomly as I was doing something else with the army. Anyway, we decided over quite an extensive period of time that I would help him get Bibles in every cell, that we would do correspondence studies and that we would disciple prisoners with a view to them being trained for ministry. And he's the one who'd been there, so he's the one who knew. And I thought, great, I'll raise the money, I'll tell the vision to the church, it'll all be a great partnership. So we got a proposal over five years, $200,000, got it all happening, and then he said, oh, by the way, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I'm like, but you can't. This was a God thing. It's really, I was really angry. And you never, when you're angry, should, you know, should react. So I waited till the next day and I thought, well, God, this is your plan. Why Mm. is something going wrong? Mm. You know, forgetting that the Bible tells lots of stories about God's plan and things going wrong. Yes. So I contacted him, blasted him, said, he said, oh, well, I'm not doing it. So I felt must have been the Holy Spirit or it was the devil again saying you should go. So I'd never been to Nigeria. I didn't know anything about it. I was going to be in Europe speaking, so I just decided to fly down. And it was, you know, looking back on it, I had no clue what I was doing. And so I was either very, you know, fearless or stupid. So during this time you felt very strongly that this was a God telling you to go? Yeah, I, I, I talked to the church about it. Yes, you absolutely, you know, when you feel God speak to you about something, you should talk to others about mm. it. So I talked to others, particularly talked to my husband about it. It takes more faith to 
to release your wife to do it than it does to go. Mm. I actually think it's much more faith to be the Yeah, sender. it's a big thing to go to an African nation. Yep, not knowing To go, anyone. what, to prisons <laughs> as, a, as well, a white Western female I wasn't, I wasn't planning to go to prisons. Okay. I was planning to give money. You know, you could, okay. What happens, I think, in God's plan is it takes you one step at a time yeah. and you look back and go, how did I get here? Yes. So yes. I flew to Lagos. I stayed overnight in the Sheraton Hotel because I recognised that brand. They put this guy with a gun outside of my door, right. my hotel room, and I oh thought, dear. what have I done? You know, I hadn't obviously known enough. Got on this little plane to go to a place called Benin City where I was going to try and find this prison chaplain that we'd heard about. Was worried about how I'd meet anyone. Looked around, realised I'm the only white person. I'm the only woman on the plane. I guess they'll find me. So got off the plane and these guys came up to me and they said, we're going to go and meet this chaplain. So we couldn't really understand each other very well, even though we all spoke English. So I arrived at this particular place. I said, what is this? And they said, it's a Bible college. So it's a big Bible college, big university in this Benin city in the middle of Nigeria. And I walked into an auditorium. There's 2,000 students singing and dancing. There's a stage. And up on the stage is a white guy. So I immediately hugged him. We were friends. Turned yes. out from he was from Australia. So I just loved him straight away because it's such a strange climate. And he said, I'm really looking forward to hearing you preach today. And I said, oh. Um, so I borrowed a Bible from somebody and got up to preach. And I only had one message I thought God had shared, shared yeah. with me about Africa. Yeah. So I shared that. I was in the middle of preaching. And I felt the Holy Spirit bring back to my mind that dream when I was 13. Wow. I was 39. Wow. And he said, this is the beginning of you speaking in Africa. And it was like, okay, God knew so exactly. 26 years and a few Joseph yeah. experiences in between. <laughs> Quite a, a lot. And a lot of courage. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, so it was very this, interesting. The thing I find interesting is that we all want to hear God's voice yeah. Yeah. and we all love the story. But when we actually hear his voice, then the actions to respond to it are often take great courage, don't they? They take great courage. And I think that enemy only has one tactic, has God said. Yeah. So it's always focusing on, was that really God? Yeah. Did God really say that? You know, and for me, you know, I used to, I was walking through a shopping centre one day and I felt, I thought it was God say, go and talk to this woman about this. And I thought, I don't want to. You know, you speak to her. Well, I'm going to speak to her through, through you. you. And I'd really decided that if I thought it was God's voice, I was going to step out mm. because I didn't want to miss out on hearing him mm. speak again. And so mm. I went up to this woman I said, I believe God speaks to you, told her a whole lot of stuff. She was crying. I said, you need to think about that. And I walked off. Mm. You know, my role wasn't to bring her to Jesus. My role was just to share for the yeah. Holy Spirit. Yes. Got out to my car and thought, okay, I think that could have been God. And so you develop then confidence in that voice. I just like if you ring me up on the phone, now I know your voice. But mm. years ago I didn't. Mm. You know, and so you, that recognition develops and you trial it. So, you know, talking to a woman in a shopping centre um, is much easier than going to mm. visit prisoners in Nigeria, but mm. it's the same principle. Yeah, I love that thought, that we start small, yeah. don't we? We start yeah. with the person in the shopping centre, yeah. the person that we know or the person that's in our, in our circle mm. before we, we make this claim. Yeah. <laughs> Fairly outlandish, you know, God has called me to minister yeah. to yeah. people in Africa. And I think that's where we sometimes fall, don't we? Because we get caught up with the big thing when actually God often speaks to us in the small things. 
And we need to be and faithful it, with that. And it builds up credibility, not just for you, that you yeah. hear from God, but from the people around you. Okay, we know that you hear from God on this. Yeah. Backstory to that, going to Africa, there have been a whole lot of things about speaking to my board and speaking to the church about. And they knew how rarely I would say, yes. look, I think God's speaking to me yes. about this. Yes. And so they'd learned to trust it and we learned to trust it together and Excellent. put things around it. So when I start to preach at 39, you know, that was the, the you know beginning of the vision when I was 13, but I had a lot more to say and had a lot more to contribute. Yeah. You know, I was ready. Yes. Whereas at 13, I, I, I was enthusiastic. <laughs> I didn't have a lot to say, but... <laughs> or to contribute. And I think that's the thing. We... God does give us a vision, God does speak to us, but we have to wait for his timing. I think mm. his timing is is more important even than his vision. And it's hard, isn't it? Because yeah. at 13, you're ready to go. Yeah. Exactly. And I think often when God speaks, it's, it has that sense of immediacy about yeah. it. Yeah. And you think, okay, tomorrow, yeah. here it goes. And then, yeah. but actually, no, not tomorrow. There's a now process where I'm being developed to become the person that can speak in Africa or wherever it may be. And that can be challenging. And that character and commitment, you know, of, you know, Simeon and Anna going to the temple every day, that commitment that the Messiah will come, that commitment of Mary, that this is going to be the child who is the son of God, even though for 30 years really he's a good kid, but that's about Mm. it. So Mm. there's a whole lot of that waiting time that is God working in us and Mm. developing us Mm. and positioning us for the right Mm. season. And so I went I went and spoke in that church and then afterwards I went and met my prison chaplain and um, that was very exciting. He'd never been outside of Nigeria, didn't know anyone knew about what he was doing. Here was this woman coming to see him. We really didn't connect very well. We couldn't understand each other much. There was just a lot of, you know, excited to be there. And then he took me off to a military compound to meet a guy and he said, I'm going to introduce you to the guy who's the chief of prisons. He's a Muslim. And I said, oh, yes. Wow. Any, you know, what should I do? You know, I was absolutely scared, never met. I don't think I'd really met a, a Muslim in a, in, in a country like that before. Certainly hadn't met a commander-in-chief. Totally out of my depth. This is my first full day in Africa. So just the whole <laughs> sights and smells and sounds and culture shock. Yes. Um, and he said, yes, if he gives you something to drink, you should drink it. So I'm like, okay. So we went into this compound. There's all of these guns, all these military. It was just really overwhelming for me. They gave me a drink. They introduced me to all these people in this general's office, all these flags and the whole thing. We had a conversation. And I don't remember to this day what we talked about. All I remembered was I had to eat this drink, this dreadful drink, which I hated. So, um, you know, I drank the drink and at the end we shook hands. We had the photo. We did the whole thing. When we were driving away, the chaplain said, that's a miracle. He said, you can go into any prison in Nigeria. You are obviously sent from God. And I'm like, I was just happy I drank the drink. (laughs) (laughs) And you realise that that God has way bigger plans Mm. than we can imagine and that he's at work even when we don't even realise it. Mm. You know, we're focusing on something really simple and what seems like a challenge to us and he's saying you know there's 32 prisons here in Nigeria and you need to get on train to them and we need to see now hundreds of pastors have been trained up in prisons and a whole lot of things that have happened because of obedience and God's voice but it's unfolding plan. Wow I think that is amazing and I think that's the difference between doing something on the basis of what God's told you to do Mm. and just having a good idea because with the God ideas there's miracles, there's open doors, there's pathways that you could never create for yourself. Mm. And you see that in your life. 
And you're very dependent on keeping on listening because you have no clue what you're doing. Right. So, right. you know, you're certainly, you know, we've been, you know, doing some things with, with Alpha in Australia and thinking about how we can reach particular branches of the church. And I'm very unfamiliar in those situations. And so I actually had been knocking on doors. No one would see me. And I eventually managed to see someone from a, a website at a coffee shop here in um, Sydney on George Street. And we were just talking about various things. It became obvious I wasn't part of her particular religious tradition. And um, at the end of it, I said, well, can I pray with you? And she said, oh, sure, can you pray for this one thing? And I said, great. So as we were praying, I just prayed for something else that I felt God lay on my heart. And at the end of it, she ended up in tears. She said, why did you pray that? I said, because God just prompts you to do things and you just know. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of it, she said, look, I'm hosting a conference soon. Would you like to come and be involved? And I said, sure and walked away mm. and she sent me an invitation to speak at a amazing church leaders conference that I would never have been able to attend wow. let alone speak at wow. because of a prayer we prayed yeah. a lot of knocking on doors a lot of prayer for God's wisdom but then God doing something I could never do yeah. opening a door so here's at work you know whether it's in a shopping center whether it's you know in the work that you do in your own country or overseas just listen and yeah. obey. Obey is the heart. Yeah. <laughs> I often say it's easy to hear God's voice. What's hard is doing what he says. Yeah. <laughs> but I think knowing you and watching your life, you, you live such a spirit-led life. And I think that's the key, that that's what God has for us as his people, that my people hear my voice, they recognise his voice, and they follow, mm -hmm. that we need to be people who will follow the promptings. Yeah. I think back when I first was 26 years old, I came to Melinda's church and I remember God spoke to me when I first arrived and he said, Melinda's going to mentor you. And I thought, oh, oh, wow, that's, you know, the senior pastor is going to mentor me. And I'm thinking, how can I make that happen? You know, how can I get her to pick me? And I thought, oh, maybe I should offer to, you know, babysit her daughter who was three or four years old at the time. Well, in the end, I didn't need to because God spoke to her and said to, to mentor me. And I remember at an altar call, that's what you spoke over my life. And I remember after that thinking, gee, that was a pretty hard ask because that involved a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of relationship. But out of that came so many miracles and transformation in my own life. And I think... When I look at your life, that's what I see. You've heard from God and you do what he says, even if it takes you to Africa, which, you know, knowing you <laughs> is not the most, you know, the first place I can see you in here. No, no. <laughs> a, a lover of mod cons and Africa, that's right, you know. That's right. And especially prisons. Going yeah. to prisons is just not hygienic. But, um... <laughs> Wow, what a testimony and what a life and what an inspiration you have that been. That's for all of us. I think my husband is involved in business. I'm involved in the church world. The older we are, we would say the less we know and the more dependent we are yeah. on God. His plans are much bigger, much more amazing than we could imagine. Absolutely. And we can either rely on our own intellect or we can say, no, I'm going to become more God-dependent. Yeah. And we become more aware of his voice and more yeah. open to listen and more quicker to, us, to respond and mm. obey. No matter how stupid I look. <laughs> yeah, I look stupid. <laughs> it's just Melinda, that's what we say. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Give it a go. What have you got to lose? Well, can I say thank you <laughs> for inspiring many others? I think of, you know, the prisoners, whether it's the prisoners in Nigeria, whether it's the churches that are doing Alpha, whether it's my church back at Burwood in Melbourne um, and many other people who I know you've inspired to hear God's voice and the bay. It's been Pleasure awesome. to be here, Tanya. It's so fantastic to see what you're doing. It's yeah, great. Thank you. Um, quick plug for Alpha. Anyone who's listening who hasn't done Alpha in their church perhaps or what would you say to them? 
Check out alpha.org.au. You know, 49% of Australians say they never have a spiritual conversation and that is the major way that people want to explore faith. So, you know, do it in your church if you have to, but the better place to do it is a cafe, in your home, in the schools. So check out the website. All our resources there are free. We just want to help people go yeah. on a journey to find God because the Bible says those who seek for him will find him. So we need to help people seek. Fabulous. And they can contact you at that website? Absolutely. Yeah, love Wonderful. to hear from them. Well, thank you, Melinda Dwight, the most reverend, awesome, <laughs> doctor, amazing Yeah, Dwight. yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's been wonderful to talk with you today. Great talking with you. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast by Tanya Harris. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. So post your comments on the blog page of godconversations.com or at facebook.com forward slash Tanya M. Harris. Help us to equip others to recognise God's voice by rating the series on iTunes. Remember, Jesus said we would know his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.